Hi, I'm Ronnie Michael, Global Head of Innovation for KPMG International, and it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Back from 2040 podcast, where I ask business leaders, innovators, academics, and forward thinkers to travel to 2040, tell us what the world looks like, and explore how we got there. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by founder and chief metaverse officer at Journey, Kathy Hackle. Kathy is a leading tech futurist and globally recognized business leader with deep expertise in augmented reality, virtual reality, spatial computing, and the metaverse. She's one of LinkedIn's top technology voices and a champion for diversity in tech. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Thanks so much for joining. And you've had the privilege of actually traveling to 2040. I'm so curious. This is the 2040 that you've imagined, and I'm so interested in just hearing all about it. Can we just get started? Let's do it. All right. Well, I'm really curious to know, what was the first thing that you did when you got to 2040? The first thing that I did definitely was go visit my kids. <laughs> I've got well, the definitely as a mom, yeah, I would, yeah. I would do the same. <laughs> I got to go check on them. <laughs> They're not responding to my texts or whatever, you know, we're sending at that time for the brain computer interfaces, but uh, <laughs> I got to go check on them. Uh, I have three kids who are all Gen Alpha. So Gen Alpha still being, was still being born back in 2022. And in 2040, my oldest would be 30 years old, right? So wow. really interesting moment. I'm a mom. Yeah, I would do the same. Well, what did you find out? How were they and what were they doing, you know, just to hang out and to occupy themselves? So basically what I did find out uh, is that they're still communicating a lot amongst themselves, not always with their mom, <laughs> but they're very close. That hasn't changed, uh, but they're using, you know, everything from holograms to, you know, virtual reality, to all sorts of things to communicate. My daughter is actually, you know, right now on the moon. Uh, she's a lunar food scientist. And, uh, you know, it's a little harder to communicate with her up there, but, you know, through holograms, that's easy to do. There still is no space elevator because that would be still in 2040, really hard to create. There's shuttles that come up and down. So sometimes the the, you know, the, the younger kids <laughs> who would be 27 and 22 would be going up every once in a while to visit her and she'd be coming down. And food has become something that we start to grow on the moon. And the kids are using technology more than ever before. Uh, my son, who from a young age was a game developer, is kind of one of the top leading game developers. Games have actually broken out of like back in the day when people used to use Nintendo Switches and phones. Yeah. They're actually all around us now. So people wear, you know, wear wearables. Some people wear wearables. Some people wear contact lenses. And you play games all around. So it's like Pokemon Go, but on steroids. Wow, that's amazing. Is it just games or is it also a way of life as well? Yeah, it's a way of life. Definitely. My youngest, who's in fashion, a lot of her fashion designs, you can see them through wearables. So she's a virtual, well, you don't even call it virtual fashion designer. That's being me being old in 2040, <laughs> right? She's just a fashion designer. But yeah, it's all around. You know, it's, it, it's, how, it's how you play. It's how you socialize. It's how you shop. It's how you work which is really interesting. So my oldest, who is, you know, a lunar food scientist, uses technology as well to be able to kind of look at the, the ways to combine crops from uh, from Earth and crops that she's growing up, you know, she's growing in space because she uses these different technologies to visualize how to combine that DNA. So yeah, it's it's a really interesting moment where technology is, technology is really all around us. It seems to them, they, it seems so primitive. They're like, how, you know, those iPads that they had when they were little, 
Um, <laughs> that just seems so primitive to them now that the internet is really all around us. And, you know, not just on Earth, also in the moon. And you talk about so many things. You don't call it augmented reality, but it sounds like augmented reality. Is it really augmented or do they also kind of dive into a complete virtual reality? Well, I think it's the difference is we call it like that, but it's just reality to them. And the word metaverse, you know, they haven't used that in a long time. <laughs> That's not what they call it anymore. It's just reality. Sometimes what I, what I do here is like when my son wants to be a little bit more immersed, he might go in full immersive mode and kind of everything around him is virtualized. But if he's doing something around work, he might not want everything to be virtualized. So he might be more in that kind of like a medium setting where it's a combination. So yeah, he'll go back and forth. You know, it's just reality to them. Like back in the day, that blurry edge between physical and digital that seemed very clear to my generation, like that just is antiquated right now. Wow, that's amazing. And another thing that we used to talk about in the 2020s was digital identities and digital representation. Is that still a thing? Is that a term that people use? Yes and no, in the sense that, you know, they're still exploring who they are. I think, you know, humanity, humans, we will continue to explore and push the limits. What I do see is like teenagers nowadays. So my, like I said, my oldest is 30 and she has kids. Uh, they're not quite teenagers, but want, you know, they're, they're getting soon to be tweens possibly. And they're starting to push the limits. And, you know, the rebellion, the rebellious kids of my generation would wear crop tops and get um, <laughs> belly piercings. Nowadays, you know, it's like all these virtual tattoos and all these sorts of things, you know, that are completely different. So rebellion when it comes to fashion has changed and evolved. It's just not crop tops. <laughs> it's a little bit more technological. So definitely, you know, the kids pushing boundaries. And yeah, it's just a, it's a little bit of a change there. And can you tell me a little bit more about self-representation in 2040? I mean, I'm sure there's more to it now that people can get fully immersed or partially immersed or whatever they call it in 2040. Yeah, I think that continue, there's continued self-exploration for sure. Um, as we've seen, the interesting thing is that you're kind of in some ways, now that technology has really broken out of phones and everything that we used to use, you know, you can be whoever you want to be or you can be seen in any which way you, you can be seen. So, you know, if I think back in the day in 2022, I mean, you're still stuck with the physical body you were born in, right? Mm -hmm. and, and people in 2040 are still physical beings in a physical world. But with that layer of, of data and, and layer of, you know, virtualization over them, they can actually choose to be seen in a different way. Right. So sometimes let's say one of my kids wants to be seen as a dragon. You know, that's what they use. It's like almost it's almost like it's Halloween every single day. <laughs> but it's just a different type. It's just accepted. And yeah, they can explore their identities. They can show certain parts of of who they are to certain people, depending on, on what the preferences are. And yeah, I definitely see, you know, kind of a generation that's a little bit more fluid in how they express themselves. And the interesting thing to me is that back in the day, we used to make fashion choices every day with physical fashion mostly right. but nowadays like that the generation you know the gen alpha who, who are kind of like the adults <laughs> are the ones kind of making fashion choices but they're more virtual fashion even though they don't call it virtual fashion that sounds simply amazing almost hard to believe but tell me what struck you as the biggest influence of all of that on the economy and on business models and generally on the way that businesses act to respond to all of these needs what I noticed, what really struck me in 2040 is how much the future of fandom has become incredibly important and how niche, like niche sectors are really the bread and butter for a lot of these brands. You know, in 2022, we had giant mega brands, right? Giant, all-encompassing mega brands. 
Now you still have those, but you have more of these sub brands or niche brands. So like culture has definitely evolved. And I think from business model, that idea of co-creation that we started, you know, just as an idea in 2022 is full blown being lived in 2040. So find that really interested. You know, at the beginnings in 2022, we used to talk about token gated commerce. Now a lot of things are token gated, right? And it is about the fans, the people that love your brand or et cetera. You know, you had brands like Artifact, for example, in 2022, kind of just really being cutting edge Web3 brand. Now they're like main, (laughs) they're just like mass market. You know, everyone has Artifact. So, so yeah, it's interesting to see how things have evolved and, 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 and also the concept of luxury and, and what we consider luxury to be. And then from the work perspective, I mean, the way people get paid is different. We used to have to wait for everything to come, you know, through direct deposit on a bank. It's almost an evolution, a bit of a middleman kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, not necessarily being there all the time. Um, yeah. That being said, cybersecurity, or I, we don't, the kids don't even call it cybersecurity, just call it security is, you know, kind of still something that a lot of people worry about. Well, before we touch on that, can you tell me a little bit more about money and how that works? I mean, here in the 20s, there's a clear segmentation between actual physical coins and digital coins and digital currencies. So tell me a little bit about how that works in 2040. Yeah, well, in 2040, you don't have the, you know, hundreds of altcoins that you had back in 2022. It's like, the, you know, the market definitely has kind of decided who are the top, you know, virtual um, virtual assets, virtual coins and crypto you should own. So, yeah, it's kind of worked itself out in some ways. <laughs> but, you know, you still you, you definitely have central currencies. So central banks are kind of almost like a thing of the past in some ways. There's digital currencies. It's hard to kind of really understand because the true idea of decentralization is getting rid of the middleman. But sometimes... Yeah with cybersecurity, well, security, as they call it nowadays, you know, if something gets hacked and stolen from your, you know, your wallet, sometimes depending on who you quote unquote bank with uh, or do business with, there might be no customer service. So whoever has that on their on their wallet is who owns that asset. So I think there's a little bit of that. I think some people that maybe use some of the lower tier services don't have any type of customer service while the higher end, you know, more of the luxury products might have people that can kind of come in and make sure that, you know, everything on their crypto wallet is safe. Uh, just kind of in 20, like similar to 2022, but I'm still in some ways. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, I mean, central banks are kind of a thing of the past. There are digital currencies, you know, that are still pretty, you know, pretty strong. That You know, the digital dollar is still kind of a really important, you know, measure of value. Definitely things have changed and evolved, but some things have remained the same. And have we been able to break physical boundaries between physical and virtual assets or between different currencies or just even those boundaries between having a dollar in your pocket or a virtual dollar in your virtual pocket? Yeah, I mean, physical dollars are in museums nowadays, right? <laughs> no one really carries those around except you're nostalgic or something. It's all virtual, you know, it's all virtual currencies. Definitely see a, you saw a giant change in developing uh, areas like For example, Africa was one of the regions that adopted, you know, virtual currencies very easily because that just made things a lot easier, especially, you know, with family members that were in in, in developed countries sending out, you know, money to the developing countries, which now have, you know, changed. That has definitely been a boom. And yeah, it has changed. I mean, it it depends on what digital currency you're using. Some of them are one-to-one. Some of them are not interchangeable and, and, and fungible. So 
So it really depends. There's still there's still things being worked on. Definitely, you know, the underlying blockchain technology has become a lot more environmentally friendly than what it used to be in 2022. So that's a positive thing. You know, and then you have the connectivity happening with, you know, lunar space dollars and then the, you know, the currencies we use on Earth. So, you know, add another layer to that and space exploration getting to Mars, some of the, you know, very, very young colonies and what assets, how they're, you know, how they're valuing money. So, yeah, I think the idea of money, the idea of value, the idea of currency have definitely had, have definitely evolved and changed. And, and with that, our mindset as well as to what value is. Tell me a little bit more about that. So especially for my kids, I think they value, depending on the kid, right? But I think they value like exclusive experiences more so than physical assets per se. So access to a special experience that lets them, you know, relive a concert from their youth or relive, you know, an experience at prom or things like that. I think that there's there's a value in, in, in kind of being able to relive some of these those experiences and they pay a premium for that. Whereas, you know, they might not necessarily want, you know, a Birkin bag like I did back in the day. You know, I, got, I gave myself one for Christmas in 2021. But yeah, to them, that doesn't necessarily have a lot of value. And with business models changing, assets being virtual and experiences being so valuable, it just sounds like the whole way of being has changed. Have jobs changed as well? I mean, is there still a nine to five? And especially with the creator's economy, I'm just wondering if people found a different way of actually living. Yeah, I definitely, definitely see a change. You know, that idea of clocking in and clocking out or great cubicle farms. Oh my goodness. That is a, that's a thing that, you know, went, went by the wayside a long time ago. My kids choose to either work in a virtual office. They can work out of, you know, in nature. They can work from anywhere, right? I think that was one of the big promises of the metaverse was the full conversions of physical and digital. And you definitely see that right now. And, and the idea and the concept of work is changing as well with, folks living past 100. The idea that my parents had back in really very long time ago of having one single job for the for most of their lives, <laughs> that to my, ki- my kids just seems like torture. So, so yeah, definitely work has changed. Anthropologically, how we define career and work has changed. A lot of work, especially for my son, for example, has become more fun. It's more gamified, so it almost feels fun to work. You know, and I always see this, like, way back in middle ages or whatever work was something physically hard work implied you were in the field all day and like it hurt and you got home and you had to eat these big meals like it was hard and as technology has evolved work has become more fun you know and more of a mental thing rather than a physical thing we still need people to move boxes and people to move things there's still you know there's still physical components to our world but I think it's much more mental and much more fun and gamified in some ways so that definitely has been something technology has changed and yeah, even their ideas and concepts of what they what their passions are, a lot of their passions have become their jobs, uh, especially with my younger one in fashion. And then even with the changes using blockchain technology that we start to see implemented in 2022, the fact that now in 2040, there is some level of data ownership because we give off so much data that people can own some of their data and realize like I want to share my data with this company, but I get paid for my data. So there is an element there of people making money from their data instead of just being, you know, harvested for data. You know, I'm so envious for your kids having so much fun at work. It feels to me like I've excelled in that in 2022, but it sounds like they took it to a completely new level. Now tell me, you touched on security a little bit before. 
Um, can you tell me what scares them? Uh, what's the biggest threat that adults or young adults have in this new era? Well, I think identity is all, has always been something that we have all been concerned about. So making sure that their virtual assets are secured, the stories they create, their creations. One of the big promises of the metaverse, and, and this is this is something that back in the day, Shelley Palmer would say, is that in, you know, especially with Web three, it allows creators to share the value of their creations. So we started we started yeah. to see the beginnings of that back in the day. But nowadays, I mean, everyone's a creator. Like that, there's no the, the idea and the concept of content creator or creator. No, everyone's a creator. Everyone's a world builder. So those things that they have built have become really important to them. They have value to them, and you know, some of them make money for them as well. So I think that's been interesting. Another really interesting thing that back in the day I, I told I told the Secret Service but once was like, you're going to have to guard the president's avatar because the person that is the president <laughs> 2040, uh, she's amazing, but she was playing Roblox back in the day. And she's got a history of avatars and Roblox and Fortnite and all the other games that came after that, that have, you know, th there's a trail, right, of avatars and representations of herself. So they've had to protect those to make sure that all her avatars are protected, that her holograms protected, et cetera, that it's not used for malicious content. So like the idea of deep fake, even deeper because you have a trail of identities you've left behind, not just logging them passwords like we had back in 2022. No, actual avatars are representations of who you are. And have we as humanity been able to create this global scheme of governance that will kind of cross through the different ways of living, interacting, and then acting in this virtual slash physical hybrid world? This is what I'll tell you. Humans, even in 2040, we're still human, right? To me, technology is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's how we use it. And humans are still flawed. And some humans want good things. Some humans want negative things. So that ideal may be a, a bit, you know, naive or utopic that we had. We're working towards that, but it hasn't been fully achieved. There's still, you know, bad actors. There's still political issues. One of the biggest things that, you know, that I think a lot of us saw coming was the battle over 6G. And, yeah. and, and kind of from a geopolitical standpoint, the fact that a lot of the 5G bases that were installed early on belong to, you know, uh, companies like Huawei or, or things like that. And the access that people get to data in, into the, the future state of the Internet might be, you know, in some ways, in some places is dependent on who your provider is. So there, there is there are issues in this. There's still geopolitical issues, despite the fact that things have become completely different. And you also touched on your kids' well-being. It sounds like they're doing great physically and mentally, but I was just wondering, did you notice any influence these virtual worlds had in 2040 on society's mental health or general wellness? And did you notice if it was a positive or a negative effect? Well, for some people, very negative. We have to be honest. The Web2 and social media were very negative for a lot of people. Positive for some. I do think that the fact that we in 2022 started to have really honest conversations but what that future could mean set us up, I want to say full success, right? Because not everything is full success, but we had very uncomfortable conversations from the get-go and said, we don't want this to happen again, right? So that's how data ownership has changed. We're not harvested for our data. So that's something that changed. That being said, there have been groups of, you know, people that were young and very young in 2022 that got addicted to algorithms that would feed them the content that they wanted to see. So people have to go to rehab still to get off the algorithm that they're addicted to. That's, you know, it's a bit of a, yeah, there's still of a, 
you know, the hamster in the wheel. The robotic hamsters nowadays. But yeah, I think there's still some of that. There is a premium, I would say, a premium on sleep. Sleep continues to be kind of a luxury commodity of sorts. I think all the all the gadgets and the blue lights and all these sorts of things and, you know, data and everything has impacted our, our sleep quality. And, you know, there's sleep retreats, sleep hotels, sleep has a premium. So, yeah, I think people still make time. People that want to stay healthy still make time to take care of themselves and, and their needs in the, in the physical world. That's great to hear. And it sounds like it's been an amazing journey. Now, I know you have to come back to the 20s, but let me ask you this. Is there anything significant that you're taking back with you? Anything that you're going to change in the way you live or maybe just have some advice for the people of the here and now? Well, I always start with my kids in mind, right? Just like I started the episode. I'm going back realizing that they're still very close. That even though some of these technologies that we envision, you know, people said they make people more individualistic or it's going to disconnect people. Humans still crave human connection, whether it's virtualized uh, or whether it is physical. And I'm taking that back with me. And I do think that very important. You know, I want maybe some of my kids' friends who have had issues with algorithm addiction and those sorts of things to set them up for a better future. So going back, I'm definitely going to want to make sure that we have some more of those honest conversations. And one thing that I will be doing when I go back is definitely encourage my kids to explore more virtual fashion and to explore their passions in gaming. You know, I think that there's a lot of wonderful things that they're going to create. And for my oldest daughter, who's really into food, continue to support her passion for food science. And who knows, in 2040, she's on the moon. So maybe in 2050, she'll be on Mars. Amazing. And it sounds like we all should start exploring gaming if we haven't already, because it's the future of life and the future of work. So we should get ready. Indeed. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking us through your journey to 2040. And thank you so much for joining this podcast. It's been a pleasure. Well, I had a great time on my trip. Happy to be back though. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Back From 2040, the KPMG podcast where our guests travel to 2040 and back and tell us all about it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast channel. And if you have any feedback, you can email us on innovation.team at kpmg.com.